Today on Focal Point with Pastor Mike Fabares. When it comes to sexual sin, never believe the sales pitch, because that's all it is, a big, gigantic, inflated sales pitch. The, the advertisement is that this will be wonderful for you. It'll be adventurous, it'll be satisfying, it'll be thrilling, it'll be intimate, it'll be gratifying. You take that bait and it'll sting, it will hurt, and you'll soon enough find out just how terrible it is. Temptation comes in many forms, from peer pressure to blatant persuasion. When we're spiritually healthy and mentally strong, it's easy to recognize temptation for what it is. But when we're distracted or distanced from God, those warning bells get quieter. Today on Focal Point, Pastor Mike Fabares is reminding us how easy it is to fall into temptation, focusing on sexual sin. Now, this is an adult topic that may not be suitable for younger listeners. Here's Pastor Mike with a message titled, Critical Preparation for Fighting Temptation. All started with an envelope I got in the mail that uh, was colorful and bright, had pictures of truly happy people on it. You know what I mean? Smiling. It was an envelope that uh, advertised an internet service provider and it boasted of uh, sign-up bonuses and uh, low rates and high-speed access and it sat there on my desk for a couple of days. But it caught my attention every time I saw it because those truly happy people looked a lot happier than I am with my current internet service provider. Oh, I have one, but the more I thought about it, the more I realized how discontented I am with it. It's not very fast. When I dial up, I don't always get on. Um, it's not unusual for me to get bumped off the network. and. I kept looking at those smiling people saying, ah, I'd like to be like that. So I picked up the envelope one day and I did it. I opened it up, I pulled out that shiny disc, I laid it in the CD-ROM tray and zoop, went right into my computer. Friendly voice came up, some simple steps to sign up. I logged in my name, I dialed into their 800 number, I validated my new email address and my username and my address, and then the big question, they wanted my credit card number, so there it was. I punched it in, I hit send, I said, I'm in. Give me this wonderful life of high-speed internet access. Then it said, now we're gonna dump you off this 800 number and we're gonna have you dial through a local access number. Okay, well, sure, I'm ready to begin this wonderful adventure. So click, I said, take me to it. And it dialed up and I got this error screen and it said, access denied. But okay, well, you know, something went wrong. I need to restart my machine or something. So I restarted my computer and tried it again and it didn't work. And I tried it again and it didn't work. So then I uh, started getting a little frustrated. I skimmed through the help files. I found nothing helpful there. And I looked at the advertisement and I saw in very small letters, the uh, technical support number. And I said, I better call these guys. So I did, and I waited quite a while till I talked to a real person. But when I did, I was quite comforted because 
This voice on the other end, the tone and the tempo of his dialogue with me convinced me that if he didn't create the personal computer, he certainly knew everything there was to know about them. He was that kind of confident, assertive, articulate young man, and I said, I'm in good hands. Well, before I knew it, he had me changing some settings. He had me renaming some things in the unexplored regions of my system files. Before I knew it, I was uh, deleting entire configurations, and I was doing all kinds of things that I had no idea what I was doing, but I was confident he knew. But we kept trying, and it didn't work. And things got worse. I started to get that blue screen. You know what that's all about? <laughs> then he started to put me on hold. I felt like I'd been led into the deepest, darkest part of a rainforest, and my guide had stepped out to get a cup of coffee, you know? <laughs> it was dark, and it was scary. After two or three blue screens and a couple of, will you please wait for a moment, sirs, I ended up with a completely black screen. My computer wouldn't even reboot. He said, sir, we're going to need to hand this one off to a senior technician. I thought to myself, what, what are you, a junior technician? I said, fine, whatever. Hand me over to him. Oh, well, we can't do that. They'll have to call you back. <sighs> I thought, okay. And he said, well, sir, when would you like your call back? I said, how about now? Now is a good time. He said, no, I'm sorry, we can't do that. We'll have to get to this some other time, perhaps around noon. Would that work for you? <sighs> I said, okay. I hung up the phone, leaned my forehead against the cold, lifeless screen of my computer monitor, and I thought, what have I done? And I looked at that envelope that was ripped open with all those happy people. I said, something's terribly wrong with this. You know, temptation and Satan's mind games that he plays with us is just exactly like that. He packages his advertisements and he sends them to us with images and faces of people that seem a whole lot happier than me. And saying in a very clear and definitive way, this is better than what you've got. Satan is masterful at, at capitalizing on my discontentedness and luring me into something that he tells me will be much better. The grass will be greener on that side of the street. And as Paul said in a very candid passage of Scripture about our sexuality, he said, you know, and this is a Mike paraphrase, he says, you know, guys, he says, be careful because Satan would love to capitalize on your lack of self-control. He's looking for opportunities in my life and in yours to send us the kind of glitzy advertisement that would lure us away from where we're at and get us to engage in something that just leads to trouble. If I could have wound the clock forward when I looked at that envelope and saw where I would be in three hours with a big paperweight in the middle of my desk, there's no possible way in the world I would have even opened it matter of fact, I would have quickly 
pushed that into the bottom of the trash can. I perhaps would have broken it into many pieces to make sure that no one could ever insert that disk into their computer. Because I knew what kind of trouble it held for my life. Well, I knew after I had experienced it. If we could only see where sin takes us, as James put it, it is the enticement and the dragging away of my life based on my desires that the Bible says when it conceives, it leads to sin, and when sin does its work, it, it results in death. The problem is we don't see that when we read the advertisements. We quickly forget what it might cost us, and we think, I, I would like to have that. That's better than what I have. If you've noticed the subtitle of our message this morning, perhaps you have scratched your head because it's worded in a way that makes us think about preparing for temptation. When in reality, if you know the passage we're studying, we've already kind of gotten past the sin. Beginning in the middle of chapter 13 of 2 Samuel, we see the aftermath of the sin. We see the results of the sin. We see all the bad things that come from the sin. And we're talking about preparing yeah, we are. That's precisely the point. If you and I could just roll the clock forward and see where sin takes us, particularly sin that relates to our sexuality, then I would hope that we would take the advertisements and quickly throw them in the trash and say, this is never worth it. If we could just study these few verses and understand what a ripoff sin is, particularly sexual sin, and we could infuse that into our minds. Perhaps we could protect our hearts and our thoughts to never even toy with that idea because it's always a ripoff. Look at this passage with me, 2 Samuel chapter 13. The key players here are a man named Amnon. He's the eldest son of King David, and he's been enamored with the beauty of his half-sister, Tamar. And if you were with us the last time we dealt with this passage, you saw that he had strategized after many hours of contemplating the gratification of his selfish desires and he had manipulated the situation that resulted in rape and he raped his half-sister. And that's where we stopped. We saw how all these events in his life and the weaknesses of his behavior led to this sin, but today we look at what happens immediately after the sin has been conceived. And look at what the text says, the very first thing. It talks about Amnon's response, which you might think if he finally gets what he wants, he might be gratified, but he's not gratified. As a matter of fact, the text says that he hated her. Notice the emphatic nature of this phrase. Amnon hated her with intense hatred, and then it goes on to clarify, in fact, he hated her more than he had loved her. Now, of course, that word maybe stands as a word out of context, love. Well, he didn't love her. But I think what the text is trying to show us is that his repulsion for her once he had her was even greater than the attraction he had for her in the midst of the temptation. He was tempted and drawn into this, and then when he had it, he hated it, and he was repulsed by it. And that's really no surprise to us, is it? Isn't that how Satan works and temptation works? We take the bait, we feel the hook. We cross the line, we are flooded with the consequences. And Amnon says, get up, get out. Do you see that? Even in the Hebrew text, just two words, up and out, he says to her, emphatically. 
No, she says to him, verse 16, sending me away would be a greater wrong than what you've already done. But the text says he refused to listen to her. And he called his personal servant in and he said, get this woman, and that's translated kindly because it's, it's just a very distant, objective pronoun used here in the feminine. Get this thing, basically, he says. Get this thing out of here and bolt the door after her. This object of his desire had become the object of his scorn and his anger. Amnon was promised a lot, and he demonstrates here by this historic account of his reaction that he got ripped off. Satan said, this will feel good. This will be good. You got to have this. And then he takes it and he hates himself for it. He hates the object of his desire. He despises her and the blinders go away. I don't mean to trivialize this, but it's much like buying that miracle appliance on the 1 a.m. infomercial, you know? It's seeing that thing that's going to make my life so much easier, and it's so fantastic, and it's only, you know, three easy payments of $29.95. And then it shows up in this UPS box, and it's not, not that I've done this, of course, but <laughs> it's not anything like what it appeared to be on the screen. It's that ripoff. Jesus said in John 8, Satan is a liar. When he lies, he speaks his native language. You know what Jesus is saying? He just can't help but lie. Everything he does in terms of temptation is, is, is a lie. And I thought about really emphasizing that point this morning because of this ripoff that's demonstrated by Amnon's response. And I was kind of afraid because I thought, I'm going to make these people a bunch of skeptics. They're going to be cynical people. And then I thought, you already are. <laughs> you are. I know you are. Because what comes in your mailbox every day are wonderful promises of wonderful stuff. And you put it in a pile on your kitchen counter and you call it certain kind of mail. You call it, what? what? Junk mail? Read those things, man. This is the answer to your life's problems. And you go, yeah, junk mail. You call it junk mail because you know the whole advertising philosophy is to build this thing up and to get you to believe it's so much bigger than it really is. And so we see these, these grandiose promises and we say, that ain't true. Throw it away. I don't even want to look at it. Here's what I'm telling you. When it comes to sexual sin, I put it this way in your outline, never believe the sales pitch because that's all it is, a big, gigantic, inflated sales pitch. And the pitch is, if you step outside the lines that God has drawn for sexuality, when you build the fire outside the fireplace, the, the advertisement is that this will be wonderful for you. It'll be adventurous. It'll be satisfying. It'll be thrilling. It'll be intimate. It'll be gratifying. You take that bait, and it'll sting. It will hurt. And you'll soon enough find out just how terrible it is. Keep your finger in this passage and turn over to Proverbs chapter 6 with me. And let me show you how one father explained to his son the real deception involved in immorality. Proverbs chapter 6, dad says to his son, wanting only his best, not trying to deprive him of joy, not trying to keep him from satisfaction, not trying to be a killjoy, but he says, be careful, son, drop your eyes down to verse 25. He says, don't lust in your heart after her beauty. Don't let her captivate you with her eyes. And then I love the phrase, the, the prostitute reduces you <laughs> to a loaf of bread. 
That's what you are. You take that bait, you're just a brainless loaf of bread. And, and, and the adulteress, I know you don't get it, but she's really preying on your very life. She's taking from you everything. Oh, it's packaged as a wonderful solution, but it's going to cost you. If we could just think a few steps ahead and realize that all the promises and all the glitz of the satanic advertisement that is packaged and put into our spiritual mailboxes every day is just a big fat lie. And some of you could testify to that, couldn't you? You could stand up here at that microphone and you could start to explain that on one side of the temptation you were so drawn in by the alluring promises of gratification and on the other side you hated your own life and you despised everything about it. How does Satan do that? I mean, how come it works with so many people? I can tell you how come it works. Because it's fun. It's fun. It's fun for a while, and there's pleasure built right into this. But it's like me saying to you, let's climb up on the roof after the service. It's a 25-foot drop from the roof to the cement. And I say, why don't you jump off with me? It's a lot of fun. I would not be lying to you. It would be a lot of fun for the first 24 feet. It'd be a blast. I mean, wind in your face, feeling of, of weightlessness. Whee! It's great for a while. And Satan knows he can package this thing and give us all the cheap thrill and get us to focus on that and constantly blinding our minds to the consequences. The prostitute reduces your life to a loaf of bread. The, the adulteress really is preying on your very life. Now, don't nod your head, but a lot of you can agree with that, can't you? You know that that's true and you know it from experience. Never believe the sales pitch. What I'm saying to you is take the advertisement and put it in the junk mail pile because you're going to get the ads every day just like you do in your physical mailbox and Satan's going to throw stuff at you. File it. It has a file. We call it the round file in my office, right? It's just tossed in the bottom of the trash can and that's where it belongs. Oh, sometimes the, the glitzy package will allure you and make you think this is, this is really what you need but... Just know it's junk mail. Be a cynic. It's like watching an infomercial if it's too good to be true. And certainly sex outside the boundaries, thoughts of romance in places where my thoughts don't need to be. All of that is a big fat ripoff. Ask Amnon. Gratifying? You glad you finally had her? Is this good for your life? Get up, get out, get this thing out of here. Bolt the door behind her. Look at our passage, back to it, verse 18. Not only is it a ripoff for you if you choose to cross those lines, but the text says in verse 18 that the people involved, the people surrounding it, the collateral damage is colossal. Look at it, verse 18. The servants put her out and bolted the door after her, and she was wearing this richly ornamented robe. It's the kind of garment the virgin daughters of the king wore. And Tamar put these ashes on her head, and she tore the ornamented robe she was wearing. She put her hand on her head, and she went away weeping aloud as she went. Oh, fulfilling for her too. And Absalom said, has Amnon, your brother, been with you? And with empty words of comfort, he says, be quiet now, my sister. He's your brother. Don't take this thing to heart. And Tamar lived in her brother Absalom's house, a desolate woman. Well, the participants now are really gratified and fulfilled. What about the people that learn of it? Verse 21, when King David heard all this, he was furious. No kidding. 
You think sex out of context is victimless? Oh, I know this is rape, but what about two consenting adults? Victimless? Oh, yeah. Ask the children of the divorced families. It was all instigated by someone chasing a gratification outside the bounds of marriage. Talk to the parents that are hurt deeply because of the, the sin of their children. David was furious. And Absalom, the brother of the one who was violated, never said a word to Amnon, either good or bad. He hated Amnon because he knew this whole thing had disgraced his sister Tamar. Everyone's hurt by this. Particularly the one that Amnon chose to quote-unquote love. Amnon thought he loved Tamar, and so he stripped her of her dignity and her purity and did nothing but hurt and devastate her life. Look at the words, desolate. She was weeping as she went. She was disgraced. Question for you. If Tamar was really loved by Amnon, if Tamar really was loved by her brother Amnon, real love, how would this whole scenario be different? I mean, ratchet this thing back to the beginning of verse, or chapter 13, verse number 1. He's got a very, very exceptionally attractive half-sister. If he really loved her, how do you think Amnon would be toward Tamar? I mean, how does a brother act toward a sister who really loves that sister? Oh, I know the word was used. He loved her. But you and I don't call it love. We call it something else. We call it lust. Because we know that his attraction for her was purely selfish. Because if his attraction to her was really for her own good, he would never think of violating her. He would never think of hurting her. He would never think of forcing himself on her. He would never treat her as an object. If he really loved her, he'd probably be one of those big brothers that doesn't let hardly anybody talk to his younger sister. You know what I'm saying? He'd be the most overprotective guy because he'd think, I want to protect the purity of my sister. I want to protect her. If I love her, I, I, I protect her, I guard her. I do what I can to be good for her, not bad for her. Never believe the sales pitch. You're listening to Focal Point and a message from pastor, author, and Bible teacher Mike Fabares called Critical Preparation for Fighting Temptation. You know, a great way to stay alert and on guard against temptation is by joining us on this program every day as we study the depths of God's Word. And if you ever miss a program, you can download the free Focal Point mobile app to listen on demand. You can also listen online when you visit focalpointradio.org. In addition to listening to Pastor Mike preach on Focal Point every day, did you know he's also a published author? And this month we're featuring one of his books that helps readers refocus on Jesus when enduring trials. It's titled Lifelines for Tough Times, God's Presence and Help When You Hurt. In this book, Mike challenges the idea that pain is the enemy and gives us encouraging examples from Scripture of times where God used hard times for good. He also shares the difficult personal experience of his daughter Stephanie being born with spina bifida and what he has learned through their many challenges. We'll send you a copy of Lifelines for Tough Times as our thanks when you donate to the Ministry of Focal Point this month. Just call 888-320-5885 or give online at focalpointradio.org. 
If you prefer sending your donation by mail, write to Focal Point, Post Office Box 2850, Laguna Hills, California, 92654. We're so grateful for your support because it enables countless others to explore the depths of Scripture with us each day. On their behalf, thank you. Now, even if you can't give today, we still want to hear from you. And when you let us know that you're listening, we'll send you a free CD from Pastor Mike's Lifelines for Troubled Times series. Ask us about the CD called God's Presence and Help When You Hurt when you call 888-320-5885 or find it online at focalpointradio.org. Well, I'm Dave Drewy, inviting you to join us again Thursday as we continue the message called Critical Preparation for Fighting Temptation right here on Focal Point. Hey there, Pastor Mike here. We're almost out of time, but before we go, I want to personally invite you to contact us here. Let us know how we can be praying for you. Head on over to focalpointradio.org and click the contact page or send me a note on Facebook, facebook.com slash Pastor Mike or twitter.com slash Pastor Mike. Can't wait to hear from you. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Focal Point Ministries.